I've told this little quip before because, first of all, I think it's funny. Uh, but second of all, uh, up in Maryland, um, they would turn in the deposits on Sunday. They'd drop them in that overnight deposit thing, right? So I'd go to the bank on Mondays to get the bank back back. And there was a, a, a bank manager for that local branch who uh, she had grown up, ready, Southern Baptist. And she knew I was pastoring Town Baptist Church. And so as I walked in, just about every Monday, she would ask the same question. She'd say, Preacher, how many did you save this weekend? I'd go, Now you know I'm not in production, I'm in sales. <laughs> it's kind of what today's message is going to be about, you know. Uh, we're in, in Hebrews because we continue the, the topic of faith and discipline. And we talked about discipline, and now we're talking about faith and what faith looks like and, and, and how faith has this impact on who we are. And really, why? Why do you believe what you believe? You know, who was it that told you about Jesus? Who was it that made the case for you in your life? That Jesus is the way to go, right? That Jesus is is kind of that that thing, that person, that one, that way, that belief system that should be the emphasis of who you are. Hebrews chapter 3, verses 1 to 6, it says, Therefore, holy brothers and sisters who share in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus. Don't you like that word there? Consider Jesus. The apostle and high priest of our confession, he was, he was faithful to the one who appointed him, just as Moses was in all God's household. For Jesus is considered worthy of more glory than Moses, just as the builder has more honor than the house. Now, every house is built by someone but the one who built everything is God. Moses was faithful as a servant, servant in all God's household as a testimony to what would be said in the future. But Christ was faithful as a son over his household. And we are that household if we hold on to our confidence and the hope in which we boast. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word and God, thank you for teaching us and leading us. And God, thank you for calling us. God, thank you for moving by your spirit to convince us of that and those things which are most important. So God, as we consider the, 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 this particular, these verses, these little six verses in chapter three of Hebrews, God, let us consider our own testimony. God, let us consider our own presentation of Jesus in our lives. God, help us to consider what the writer of Hebrews undertook to explain his faith in Jesus. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, in some things, I'm a purist. Some things, it's just, it's simple. It's direct. It's, it's, I'm a purist. Y'all heard my coffee illustration. When it comes to coffee, I'm a purist. Okay? When it comes to mashed potatoes, I'm not. 
Growing up, my favorite meal at my house was, was roast beef, mashed potatoes, and gravy. But the gravy didn't go on the mashed potatoes. Because the vegetable we would have, which is not really a vegetable, but we called it one, is English peas. You know, and so so we'd have roast beef, and then we'd have mashed potatoes. The gravy goes on the roast beef, not on the mashed potatoes. You mix the English peas into the potatoes. See, so in some things I'm a purist, in other things yeah, I'm I'm kind of out there, right? So I want to make the case for purists with regard to coffee. I like black coffee. How many of you drink your coffee black with nothing in it? Thank you. You're all saved. (laughs) You know, I made the case one time that, you know, God made coffee. I mean, he's the one that, that produced the bush. He's the one that, 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 that grows the beans on. Uh, he's the one that, that, that obviously uh, imparted the wisdom to take the beans and to do the drying and the crunching and the grinding and, and, uh, and to put it in a, a, a some sort of container by which coffee can then be hydrated. I mean, it, 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 it kind of is as a bean on a tree. There's, there's, there's liquid in it. So all we're doing in making black coffee is putting the water back in the coffee. It is the abomination that has taken place in our current society. The addition of sugars. Sugar's bad for you. I mean, sure, sure. I, I'm, guess what? Eat a whole lot of sugar, you'll end up with that diabetic disease. You know, your body can't adapt to that. You see? Uh, sugar. Sugar uh, can help create weight gain. Right? Sugar actually is a corruption of pure coffee. Now, Dart over there would actually say tea in this instant, but I'm going to say coffee. Sugar corrupts God's creation. Okay? All right, anybody going to change and just start drinking black coffee yet? All right, let me just go ahead and tell you. Creams was never intended to be put in coffee. I mean, it's, it's, it's adding that thick. I mean, if you want to drink milk, just go drink milk. But don't mess up coffee. I mean, have you ever poured cream into a cup of coffee you who do this and the cream be old and all of a sudden you see that lump go boom well if you're going to drink cream in the coffee you might as well drink the lump too and then sometimes you get to a place and they don't have cream available so you got to use milk or some kind of half and half stuff and guess what cream is a corruption of God's creation Have I made my case? You see? Let me ask, because I want you to get the point of the illustration. When you desire and design to live your faith out in public, 
do you live it out in such a way that people are convinced that it's that important to you? See? Now, I worked long and hard on this coffee illustration, y'all. I've been doing it for years, so much so that there are still people in the gathering who'll walk in with a coffee shop coffee, and they'll go, I've got my abomination, because I called it an abomination to corrupt God's creation by putting stuff in coffee, right? Well, let me ask you, if, if, if Jesus is, is, is central, the priority of your life, does the world in which you live, the people you hang out with, the folks that you see in and out every day, are they convinced that Jesus is the priority of your life? Because the whole first seven chapters of the book of Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews, and many believe it to be Paul because of structure and Greek and grammar and syntax and all those things. A lot of people believe Paul wrote it. And and if Paul wrote it, I'm not going to argue with them. Uh, We just don't know that Paul wrote wrote it. But the writer of Hebrews takes seven chapters to explain the superiority of Christ not just the fact that Christ is indeed superior as a as a a focus of our worship and our faith but Christ is superior in his life you see and so when you start to consider who is this this guy was obviously a Hebrew because he says our ancestors he said God spoke in times past to our ancestors you see? And so when you start to consider that, you're like, all right, so this guy's making the case uh, as a Hebrew to other Hebrews, right? And he's explaining that therefore, holy brothers and sisters, see, he, he's inclusive with them. He's saying, look, uh, uh, who share in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus. See how he's making the case? See, I'm telling you, consider coffee, right? I want I, this illustration has got to come. You pick whatever you feel strongly about. Maybe it's college football. I'm not so excited about it this year, just so y'all know. Maybe you're a diehard Duke fan or Tar Heel or oh, what's that other one with the dog? I don't know. Anyway, um, or, or may, maybe you're Baptist and you like the demon deacons. Known a few in my day. Uh, just kidding, y'all. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm joking. But here's the point. Do you feel, believe, live Jesus so strongly that the people who see your life know that he is the most important thing to you? See, that's what the writer of Hebrews is doing. He's writing to a Hebrew congregation in such a way that he's saying, guys, look, I am one of you, but listen to this. Jesus is more superior. Jesus is the number one priority. And he's the number one priority, according to the writer of my life. Listen to what he says. Consider Jesus the apostle and high priest of our confession what is their confession that you love the lord your god with all your heart soul mind and strength that comes from deuteronomy chapter 6 
He says, hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. And, and Jesus is his high priest. So, so this will get this guy killed. He was faithful to the one who appointed him. Now listen to that. Now, now he's drawing in some commonality. You ready? See, see, just like I did, I said, how many of you drink black coffee? About six people in the room raise their hand. Right? So we're all saved. That's I, you know, it's a joke, but I mean, drawing you in. And then I'm telling you folks who mess up God's coffee that right? He says, he says, uh, just as Moses was in all God's household. He's saying Moses was faithful. Guess who the 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 the, the prophet priest that all the Hebrew people revered and honored and pointed to Moses our deliverer even more so than than our fathers Abraham Isaac and Jacob Moses is the one who got us led us out of captivity and at least up to the promised land Moses was faithful for Jesus is concerned, listen to this one, this is the one going to get him killed. For Jesus is, wor- is considered worthy of more glory than Moses. Wow. Can you see that? Man, this guy just threw the gauntlet down, right? You guys honor Moses. You guys respect Moses. You, all of this stuff that we've revered Moses for hundreds and hundreds of years, and yet Jesus is worthy of more glory than Moses. Let's think about the things that that rival Jesus in our lives. Okay? What kind of things rival Jesus in your life? We could say something like maybe family, maybe spouse, parents, maybe we'd say kids. Some would say career, right? Uh, Some might would say Unfortunately, some might would say possessions, the things we own. Some would say influence. How much influence can I have? Some might would say um, position, respect. (laughs) Some might would say portfolio, right? The kind of things that in our culture, in our society, uh, rise in priority in our lives to where the, 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 the first conversation we have with somebody might not be about Jesus, right? Or that somebody might see our lives and think, oh, well, you're, a, you know, and, and it would come down to this. This is the thing. It would come down to this thing where they'd been watching you a while and they'd go, oh, you're a Christian? You see, that, that, that's what I believe that the writer of Hebrews is trying to get across here. He is writing to a Hebrew audience. He is a Hebrew writing to a Hebrew audience. And he's saying, look, I am one of you. I have the same confession of faith that you have. But guess what? Jesus. Jesus first. Jesus above everything else. Moses was faithful, but guess what? Moses only managed the household of God God the Son, Jesus, built the house. Right? Man, we got builders in this place. Y'all know that? 
Uh, have y'all noticed just, you know, in the last three or four years that if there's a vacant lot on the island, now there's a house in it? Man, you just buy up a lot, build a house, buy up a lot, build a house, build a house. I'm not condemned. I mean, I, I built houses in the 80s. I jokingly tell people if I'd had a video camera back then, I'd be a TV star. We flipped more junk houses back in the 80s than, than they have on TV these days. But that's what it says. It says, for Jesus is considered worthy of more glory than Moses, just as the builder has more honor than the house. Now, every house is built by someone, but the one who built everything is God. Moses was faithful as a servant in all God's household, as a testimony to what would be said in the future. So Moses' faithfulness in, in, in delivering God's people from Egypt and, and through the wilderness wanderings and up to the edge of the promised land and then setting Joshua up to cross over into the promised land and the people to take God's promised land, Moses was faithful in doing what God had assigned to him, but Jesus is the one that built it all. See, but Christ was faithful as a son over his household, and we are that household if we hold to our confidence and the hope in which we boast. See, the first seven chapters being the superiority the, the, the first priority, that is Jesus Christ, you see? Jesus is the builder. Through him, by him, for him, all things were created. So here's the challenge for us, y'all. I, I just, I have people that, that, that want to ask all the time, you know, about relationship with God, intimacy with God, the, the kind of connection with God that, 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 that God has provided for, God has designed for, God has called us to, and yet the, the, our priority structure gets so in the way that we don't take the time, spend the time, do the things that allow Christ to be the number one priority of who we are. We get so distracted by the things of the world. I mean, you know, part of the whole Hebrew discussion here is, is that, yeah, God, our people got distracted by the box. We checked the box, this law and this law, and, and through the, 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 uh, the Torah and the Talmud and the Mishnah and the 613 laws. That they had to check the box on. Okay, I did that. Did that. As long as I get, what, 70%? No, Jesus comes along and says, if you even fail in one area of the law, you fail in all of it. You see? And so what is it that distracts us? from the priority of Jesus? What is it that could, 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 could draw us away from living out Jesus in our lives. It was really interesting. Uh, years ago, right after I came here, we had a group from, um, I don't remember. <laughs> Been a long time. Anyway, it was a youth group, came down from up near Dunn somewhere. Up, I, I, I know they were up near Campbell University, wherever that is. 
Anyway, they came down and, and, and they did some block parties in some neighborhoods and stuff and they did some things and I was just brand new here at the gathering and and I was sitting with one of the pastors from this particular church up there and uh, we were sitting there and I said you know I said I just read that book Simple Church so I just kind of had worked my way through the book Simple Church and and in the book Simple Church is is this sort of uh, idea this design the point is is that everybody who considers considers themselves a part of the congregation should be able to communicate the vision, the priorities, the whatever of the congregation in as few words as possible. All right? And so that's, that's the point of the book, Simple Church. So I started working on that for the gathering. I started going, all right, this is what I'm thinking. All right, so does anybody know the four words that came out? Loving God and living Jesus. Why why loving God? Because the first and greatest command is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second command is like unto it, love your neighbor as yourself. That's living Jesus out in the community. So the two greatest commands. And then Jesus even goes on and says, all the law and the prophets hang on these two commands. So all 613, or if you prefer the 10, all hang on those two. Love God. Live Jesus. And then a few years ago, they thought, you know what, let's, let's include that walking together. We're going to do this together as the body of Christ. Okay. Our priorities. The the, the focus of who we are. And here's the challenge. Um, Reading about Hebrews, because now I'm starting to try to outline it for the whole year. uh, Sometime in 2025 trying to get each sort of the passages broken down in such a way that that we'll understand that the writer of Hebrews, when he undertook to write these 13 chapters, sat down with a purpose and a plan and a design to communicate how important Jesus is. So here's the challenge this morning. You're going to leave here in, oh, about 12 minutes. No, not 12, 7 and 10, 17 minutes. I'm not math. I'll write you a paper. But when you leave here and you encounter others in your life, and and going back to the Romans 12 statement, in as much as it is up to you, Will people know how important Jesus is to you? Will people know, let me ask it differently, will people know that Jesus is important to you? See, I love this this idea of of the first seven chapters uh, being referenced by every commentary I can look up and find and everything that I see in the text is that the writer of Hebrews is saying, Jesus is first. 
Jesus is the most important. Jesus is the priority. Jesus is superior to everything else, including the law, including Moses, including Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Jesus is first. How do we convince people of that? How do you convince them of that? First of all, you got to be living it. You got to live Jesus first. And then, as you live Jesus first, we might have the opportunity to tell people that Jesus is first. See? I love walking up to people. People know I'm a pastor. It's really funny. I told you all that story a couple weeks ago. Oh, you're a pastor. Okay, people know I'm a pastor. So guess what people want to bring up anytime they meet me or we start talking? Jesus, the Bible, church, God, faith, whatever. You see? So how is it that we convince others, and not just somebody that has the, the little title pastor on there. I met somebody at the wedding Friday night and said, well, well, what do people call you? I said, Bobby. <laughs> I'm not real big into titles. And, uh, but my point is, is that I want people to know that Jesus is important to me, whether I've got the title pastor or whether I pastor or whether I'm connected to the gathering or not. I want people in my life to know Jesus is important. Jesus is first. And folks, if we don't live that out, then comes that after statement says, oh, you're a Christian? No. Let that be the first thing people see. Bear the mark of a Jesus follower in your life. The Hebrew writer wrote this out. We, and this is the last, and I, and, and I would say from the Hebrew writer's perspective, we are that household if we hold on to our confidence and the hope in which we boast. Man, you follow Jesus? Yes, I follow Jesus. You a Christian? Yes, I'm a Christian. You read the Bible? Yes, I read the Bible. And let people know that this is our confidence. This is our hope. Because guess what? Right now, we live in a world where there's not a lot of confidence and there's not a lot of hope. But we're the ones who have it. So don't let them down. I, oh, the, the lady in the bank, blonde-headed lady, I can't remember her name. How many did you save this weekend, preacher? How many times I got to tell you, I'm not in production, I'm in sales. You see? Let people know Jesus means everything to you. The Hebrew writer undertook a grand design and plan to elevate Jesus and the ministry of the gospel. And we should too. All righty? If you don't know Jesus this morning, guess what? You're off the hook. You're drinking cream in your coffee. Just kidding. My point is, is, if you don't know Jesus, you need Jesus. You need Jesus, okay? We're going to sing another song, give you the opportunity to respond to God. If God has, has offered 
has called you, has even issued a question into your life, you get to answer him as we sing this next song. I'll be down here to pray with you if you want to pray. But God, but, but as God speaks to you, you have to answer him, not me. I can't answer for you. You get to answer him. Let's pray. God, thank you that today is a day that you've given for us to come and to worship to celebrate to sing to pray to to have this fellowship with one another yes to drink coffee god you've allowed us to come into this place for a time of of worship that we as your people we as that household of faith with the confidence and hope that you've given us in the shed blood of jesus christ god we want to live that out we want a dark dying world to see light and life in us So God, help us to go out and live it so that it's obvious that you are first. God, thank you for the morning as we sing. God, help us to answer you well. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.